You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. What's up, everybody? We appreciate you being here on another episode of InsideCarolina.com's Coast to Post Game podcast. It's the second one of these we've done on the heels of a UNC basketball Monday nighter uh, instead of doing our regular Sunday night Coast to Coast podcast. And this show is brought to you by Johnny T-Shirt and JohnnyT-Shirt.com. Check them out. We appreciate you being here. I am Joey Powell with you as always. I'm thankful that you've tuned into this episode. And with me, as always, these guys are as as durable and as reliable as Caleb Love showing up in the last two minutes of a ballgame. Sherelle McMillan, Sean Moran. Sean, how are you? Doing much better than uh, what I was expecting with uh, just a few minutes ago coming onto this podcast. So Definitely. Sherelle, how's uh, how's that heart rate, man? Oh, I'm good. I had pre- definitely prepared for another uh, type of podcast. So it, it, it's it's like when Greg and those guys, they get their game stories written and there's five minutes left and the team goes on a 25 to three run. You got to erase everything. That's kind of where I'm at. So I'm delete, just, delete, delete, yeah, delete, I'm rewriting, delete. I'm rewriting what I'm going to say, you know, as we talk. Well, that works too. I uh, appreciate you guys being here. Um, and, you know, we mentioned, we mentioned the start of the show. Um Tar Heels play another Monday nighter after a win on Sunday. We've been saying on the show over and over again that they had to get a win. Well, they beat NC State by 10 in a game that wasn't really that close on Saturday. Uh, and now they are um, they are nine-point winners, 88-79, to 79, in overtime against Syracuse at home on senior night. And, fellas, they showed us another way that they could perform in a basketball game. I don't think they've done this this year yet where they uh, looked really good gave it away, uh, came back, made it overtime, and then absolutely just got microwave offense at overtime. This team continues to have the most giant chasm between uh, what what they are. I guess Sherelle likes to use the word uh, variance. (laughs) Guys... I, you know, as, as, as much as I like to talk, this is, this is tough. This is, this is another way. What's your biggest takeaway from this win in overtime against Syracuse? Sherelle will come to you first. Very simple, Joey. They won the game, which is what, <laughs> what they had to do. I mean, honestly, I, I'm not trying to be simplistic or, or keep these podcasts at 30 minutes or below. Um, but that, that is the objective now at this point in the season is just win the game by any means necessary. And it looked ugly for, you know, a good portion of it. Um, you know, texting with people offline, I was like, well, you just can't trust this team. And, and that was, that was what I was thinking. It was like, man, they, they did so good in those two games, Virginia Tech and NC State, and then they <laughs> let it go just like they did against Pittsburgh. But to their credit, you know, they, they found a way, um, you know, we were talking, I think last week about their record in games decided by 10 points or fewer. And this is another one where um, they, they, they figured something out about how to close out some of these close games. So I, I think that's important moving forward. More important, they had a double bye. Um, you would think a 14-win team in the ACC, despite it being down, is kind of a lock. Um, so that I think that was a, a, a big one for them. And now they can go on to Saturday and just play with absolutely no pressure at all. You know, it, it's, it's great that you point that out. As much as we have 
bemoaned and fans have really done so much hand-wringing with this team this year, the fact that they're guaranteed a double buy in the ACC tournament is, again, nothing short of, of quite outlandish, if you ask me. So quick stats I want to throw at our listeners. And shout out to those of you who are actually watching this on YouTube as well. Leaky Black, um, seven points. I'm sorry, seven assists, only two turnovers, finished with eight points. But I think it was easily probably his best all-around game. Uh, Brady Manick, 22 points, uh, plus minus of 11 for Brady tonight. Uh, just had some really timely tap-outs, too. Armando, I think I'm looking at 17 and 17. Uh, the UNC box has a different uh, has a different number. They have 17 and 18. 17 points, 17 rebounds, making Armando Baycott um, tied for the lead in UNC for career uh, or for double doubles in the season. Sean, that's a lot of numbers to digest. Of all those guys, who is your player of the game and why? Uh, it's a great, great question. I mean, I, 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 I give it to Brady um, just because he was, uh, you know, throughout the majority of the game, uh, offensively, uh, was, was hitting shots, you know, making the passes. We've, you know, even the announcers were saying what a great passer he was, which, uh, you know, we've, we've been fortunate enough to watch the whole, the whole season. Um, and he, he came up with, with big plays, but I could easily give it, you know, you mentioned leaky black. I think he's been, you know, it, it took him three and a half years, but he, I think he's he, after that Miami wake forest week, he kind of, quickly developed into the player that everybody has been hoping for eight, seven, seven is kind of a perfect stat line. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then obviously Armando was 17 and 17 and, and kind of being that, that steady, steady hand uh, throughout the game. And then, I mean, even, you know, Caleb Love, who <laughs> two of 12, two of 13, and then hits two huge, huge shots. So, uh, you know, I, I give it to Brady, but you could probably give it to, to really, anybody uh, that was in the, the starting lineup or played the most minutes. How do you explain a guy like Caleb Love, Sean? I know we've tried to do that probably nine, ten times on this podcast, but it, for as, as much as he is, um, he is able to disappear over the course of a game early on, you can't deny that every time he gets the ball in a late-game situation, he wants to be the guy. He is not afraid of taking that, uh, that yoke upon his shoulders and trying to be the guy. And I made the joke. Um, it's like every time he shoots or every time he gets the ball, he's trying to atone for every bad thing he's ever done in his life. How do you try to explain that to, to folks that are just, uh, that are just basketball purists? How do, how do you explain that, Sean? I mean, I think it goes to his confidence. Uh, you know, most people, they miss 10 shots. You know, they're, they're probably trying to kind of inch, inch to the corner or, you know, look to look to pass or drive, but he's, you know, to his credit, he's, he's ready to shoot and he, he knocks them down or he has knocked them down, you know, when it's been, when, when it's been tight late. Um, you know, I think when, when you watch Caleb, there's obviously some, some frustrating moments, but you have seen a lot of growth this year. I mean, I think you saw some of the passes in the first half uh, that were, you know, really nice. Uh, and then you see at the end of the first half where, he's pushing the ball up and he probably has a few options, but, but takes it himself. Um, so I think there's still those, those frustrating moments, but uh, you know, to his credit, he, he worked tremendously on his outside shooting and, and he, that's given him the confidence to take and knock those down. I mean, you can go back to his freshman year. I think it was the, the game at NC state where he was wide open for a big three at the end of the game and just, you know, wasn't even close. And here he is 
knocking down, you know, shots five, seven feet behind the three-point line. Yeah, uh, Shrill, I want to come to you because I think North Carolina has found something these last couple of games in Puff Johnson. Uh, granted, he only um, he didn't finish with a with a ton of points tonight, but the energy that he gives this team, and you saw him tonight, he is not afraid to get up in somebody's shorts on defense, and I think that's a little contagious. We saw more defensive intensity at times by this North Carolina team tonight than I think we've seen most of the season. What do you envision Puff Johnson's role can be not just going forward into next year, but for down the stretch in this season? Well, I think you saw it. He has become the sixth man. I mean, they played essentially six guys. Mm -hmm. McAdoo played those first three minutes, and then it was those six for the, I guess that's what, 40, the other 42 minutes of the game. Um, So he's going to be called upon. I think what is great about him, when you pair him with Leakey, um, you allow Leakey to to do some of the things he does best. But also, uh, if you go back to the Duke game, you mm-hmm. remember what Heber Davis said. He said, well, I couldn't put Leakey on both A.J. Griffin and Paolo Bancaro mm-hmm. because UNC only had one player like Leakey. Well, I think since that time in that month, Puff has become, you know, a much better player, got more minutes, got more experience. And when him and Leakey are in the game together, that's two really long, tall defensive players who can make it difficult for opposing threes and twos and fours. Um, and they can all switch those things too. So I think defensively, it makes them very versatile. Um, that's a great thing. And then Puff, you know, he can hit an open shot. I, you know, I've said it. I think he is kind of what you think of the prototypical UNC small forward in the past. I think mm-hmm. maybe now that's becoming more of a, a three, four um, as we move forward into, into what Hebert Davis wants to do, but he can, he can hit a timely shot. As you saw, he doesn't mind mixing it up. He's really tough. He likes to play hard and then he's smart. I think that's mm-hmm. most important uh, very much in the vein of, of Brady Manick in that, you know, the ball moves when he touches it, he's always looking um, towards the basket, trying to find someone open. So he just has those high basketball IQ things you expect from someone who's, you know, older brothers uh, played basketball, someone who's, whose uh, brother plays for the Phoenix Suns, whose dad is a coach, whose mom played basketball, you know, all those things. You expect that from someone like Puff. And I think he's starting to show it. And it is a, a huge development for UNC um, just because they didn't really have anyone else to fit into that leaky black kind of mold earlier in the season. And, and now they have Puff. Yeah, he's got a he's got a little pistol starter in him, that's for sure. Sean, what, what do you feel about Puff? I've been been uh, very pleasantly surprised. I mean, I think you know over the years the knock on UNC for whether it's true or not has been that you know they're they're a soft team in general. Uh, and I think for Puff, you know, here's a guy that comes in, you know, pretty pretty skinny guy can shoot, um, and you kind of think you know he's just going to float around the perimeter. And I think as Terrell mentioned, he really likes to mix it up. Um, you, you know, he's not not the strongest yet, but you know he he's willing to fight really hard for offensive rebounds. Um, he's willing to guard and get through picks and, and, you know, he, he offers a lot and once again, only made one shot today, but you kind of mix the, the past two games and, and you, you saw a sampling of what he can do. And it also gives the team a, a different dimension when he is out there, because now, you know, you can play Brady at the five or, you know, give Brady a rest. Um, you know, or, you know, there, there's different lineup possibilities with him now playing well and you know <laughs> we all know that those will be needed especially with the very short uh you know short roster that UNC has been been playing with. Sherelle I, I was a little troubled tonight by UNC's inability to enter the high post properly against this zone <laughs> if you remember um if you remember 
Roy Williams' ability to kind of carve this zone up, zone up. Granted, it was it was also due to the different sorts of of bodies and players he had on the court. But is UNC's inability to uh, trigger that that high post entry tonight is that just a byproduct of having a smaller lead guard in R.J. Davis, or was it something they were just not comfortable doing, or was it just not something they want to do and they would rather you know shoot the three pointer because they almost shot forty percent from from three. So. Which one do you think that ha- which one do you think that is? I think it was a little bit of both. I think uh, Brady Manning, we saw him four, five, six, seven, eight times flash into the middle, and he was open, and he just didn't get the ball. So I think maybe to your point, uh, there are some some height limitations, and then you have the the two tall, or I guess you have the Bayham, you know, brothers kind of out at the top of the zone, and neither of them are particularly short. So for someone like R.J. Davis, it might have been a little tough trying to look over them and, and get it there, um, you know, accurately. I think he had a turnover maybe on the first or second possession, trying, trying mm-hmm. to get it to the middle. So that's probably part of it. But I think this team shoots it so well that, honestly, you know, an, an open three from Manic is probably a better option um, than flashing to the post and, and trying to make an extra pass. Sometimes, maybe not all the time. You can't just go out there and, you know, jack 45 threes. Um, but I think, I think it's probably both of those. That this team shot, shoots, shoots it so well throughout the season that they felt really comfortable um, that they would be able to knock down some shots, maybe more than past Carolina teams have. I mean, they shot uh, 14 of 36 from three tonight. I can remember one point early in the game where I think UNC's all, 20 of their 22 points were for three-pointers, and they they cut to a shot of Roy Williams uh, <laughs> sitting in his seat as they went to commercial break. And, you know, you just kind of wonder, what is, what is Roy wondering about this team right now? Sean, um, speaking of UNC's three-point percentage, we've seen them be a better shooting team from the perimeter than we've seen in North Carolina in a long time. Are you worried that that could be something that becomes uh, their Achilles heel in the postseason? Or do you feel like you know, they, they kind of are who they are and it's part of their, their identity at this point? No, I mean, I, I think we've talked about variance. And, and with that, you know, I think a, a higher volume of three-point shots is, is going to you know, lead, lead to that. Uh, kind of up or up and down nature. I mean, we've seen, you know, Pittsburgh, you know, they, they struggled or some of the, some of the game, I mean, in a lot of these games outside of NC state um, there've been stretches where the team goes cold um, and they're only getting, you know, eight to 10 points in a 10 minute span. And a lot of that is, you know, Caleb's one for four. We've seen against the top teams, both guards aren't, aren't hitting. So it definitely is a concern, but at the same time, you know, four got, well, that four four guys now with leaky showing the ability to shoot are able to to knock down jump shots um you know i think the last few years it's been one you know one or two so you obviously you know live by the three die by the three but at the same time uh you have armando in the middle and you do have capable shooters um so yes there could be games where they struggle or they're they're off early but you know at, at the very least they, they can uh you know, score in a score in a hurry, but yes, it is a concern because there have been a lot of kind of ten minute spurts where they have struggled to uh, to put up points. Sherelle, one last note on this game before we start talking about uh, this coming weekend and the the send off to end all send offs. So two things: you you look start looking at the minutes played for UNC, and they're all. I mean, it's just an insane box score: forty four for Black, forty two <laughs> for Davis. 43 for Manic, 43 for Baycott, and 36 for Love. Um, and I just, I was thinking, I was like, man, when, when's the last time someone played that many minutes? And obviously, you go look for overtimes. I think there was a double overtime against Clemson 
um, that kept the streak alive back in the Hansboro days. But, uh, you know, friend of the program, Jawad Williams, played 50 minutes in UNC's loss against Wake Forest in 2003. So I just went back. I, I mean, that has to be the most regular season minutes like somebody's ever played in a game. All, he played 50 minutes in a three overtime <laughs> game. So shout out to him. And then what a I, game that was. <laughs> yeah, it was it was it was a good one. It was a good one. Um, and then I, I think you have to give RJ Davis a ton of credit for how he played today. I think defensively, more than anything, I mean, he made some big big shots. Um, he had some great passes, but I thought his defense on Joe Girard was was one of the keys of the game. Mm-hmm. Because while you had Swider who was just you know going off and, and doing his thing, Girard is a really good shooter. He shoots 41% from three. Um, and I think they, you know, I, I'm not sure how many times they played against each other in high school, but I think there's there's some competition there. <laughs> and uh, R.J. Davis just completely took him out of the game. I think he was, let me look real quick. He was uh, four of twelve, I believe. Um, was Gerard? Yeah, four of twelve and one of five from three. And when you play 45 minutes and you're a great shooter, and that's the only offense you're able to generate, that tells me that whoever was guarding you did a great job. Now, obviously. He got the shot at the end of regulation, you know, to send it to overtime. But I thought R.J. Davis overall just had a really, really phenomenal game. Yeah, he really did. And I'm glad you pointed. I mean, Gerard hit that shot to send it to overtime, but it was contested and it was not. Yeah, you know, he was trying to get to the rim and R.J. kept him from doing that. So, uh, yeah, I think that's a great point. And, and his his defense is certainly going to be needed down the stretch. Oh, and one um, last thing, Joey. Yeah, sure. Energy. Yeah, you notice the energy, mm-hmm. effort and toughness haven't been uttered in, in feels like weeks now. I, really I since- Really, since the Pittsburgh game, you haven't heard energy, effort, and toughness because they they have figured that out too. It seems like they are playing hard for the entire game. When this team is engaged, it's amazing how much easier things seem to come to them, and I don't think that's by accident. Um, all right, we'll take a quick break. Uh, I want to talk about our friends over at Johnny T-shirt. Uh, big fans of theirs. I hope that all of Inside Carolina's listeners and subscribers are fans of Johnny T-shirt. Um, I've got a purchase coming from Johnny T-shirt. Uh, as soon as they're in stock, I'm going to be snatching up one of the um, one of the new Nike fitteds that the baseball team is wearing. Uh, they have one now. It is a um, is all navy, but it has a Carolina blue window pane on it. Which, as you guys know, I'm, I'm a fan of the fitted fan of the fitted hat there. Um, and Johnny T-shirt will have those uh, as soon as they're in stock. I will be snatching one of those up. I will use the extra 10% uh, discount that you get being a premium subscriber. And I would encourage everyone else to do the same thing. Uh, spring sports are in full swing. Football practice starts tomorrow, if you can believe that. Spring football starts tomorrow um, at the uh, the practice facility. So it's never a wrong time to think about getting new gear. And when you think about getting new gear, make sure you're thinking about Johnny T-Shirt. JohnnyT-Shirt.com, East Franklin Street in Chapel Hill. Family-owned, alumni-operated. Be sure you check them out. Give them some love because they've been supporting all of this beautiful content that you get right here on Inside Carolina. Take a quick break, let the national guys run some of their advertisements in here, and we'll be right back to talk a little bit about the upcoming game this weekend for the Tar Heels as they close out the regular season. And we might even have you know, our regular reggaeton horns, Gigi Jackson update. Stick around. <laughs> Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. 
I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. All right, boys. One more game left on the docket. I don't know if you guys have heard this, and I was shocked to learn. Apparently, this coming Saturday in Cameron Indoor Stadium is Coach K's last game. And, you know, I, just, I, I can't believe this hasn't been promoted or that folks have not been discussing this, but um, I'm a little shocked to learn that. But apparently that's the case. Tar Heels will be going into um, bringing their 22-8 and eight record, which I can't believe we're talking about a 22-8 and eight team being on the bubble. Um, but they'll be going in, uh, heading into Cameron to face off against Duke. Uh, Duke is 25-4. and four. They do currently lead uh, the ACC. They have a game. Uh, tomorrow night on March the 1st, and then we'll play the Tar Heels on Saturday at 6. Uh, just sitting here, you know, talking about this Duke team, they do shoot the three better than they did early in the season. Um, we've talked about what a, you know, what an absolute beast Mark Williams is in the paint for them, and I think he's been, he's been found money. The fact that they have a guy like Theo John as, uh, and you guys know what a Theo John stand I am, the fact they've got a guy like Theo John as kind of gravy or, a, a, you know, an added garnish for this team is, is going to be a problem. So after we saw the absolute beatdown that we saw in the Smith Center, why should we think that things might be changed this time for the Tar Heels going on the road in Cameron? Sean, I'm going to ask you first. I think offensively, um, they should hopefully be a little better prepared. Um, but I, I think I still think it's going to come back defensively. And as much as I hate to admit it I do think Duke is a championship you know probably will win the championship or, or get you know get there uh similar to 2015 um and you know with, with UNC there's always going to be kind of that one one player that they're struggling to match up with um you know so if it's if it's Griffin can they you know just can they force him to be a you know standstill three-point shooter and maybe he struggles uh, versus attacking off the dribble and, and doing what he wants. And I, I think we, we did see that Leakey can at least give Palo uh, a difficult time. But offensively, they're going to come, you know, it'll have to be similar to NC State where, you know, they're coming out hot. Or like Syracuse tonight, they're coming out hot and hitting some shots to get that confidence because if, uh, if they get down big or, or struggling to, to get baskets, it could be another, another long, uh, long afternoon. Um, just sit here. You mentioned AJ Griffin. I mean, he's almost hitting, he's hitting 49% of his three pointers. So he's made 56 on the year, but I think something that a lot of Tar Heel fans did not expect to see is that Wendell Moore is shooting 40% from three, uh, averaging just really, really good stats. He's been such a nice addition for Duke. Sherelle is Wendell Moore going to be the guy that, that kind of spoils it for UNC this time. It was AJ Griffin in the Smith center, but it was Wendell Moore, uh, two years ago, Who's your wild card for Duke this time, or who's going to be the, the bee in the bonnet to use a royism? Jamie Roach seems to have uh, started playing much better for Duke, you know, I would say over the last couple of weeks. You know, I haven't watched a, a ton of their games, but he's been, you know, up in, in the 120s in offensive rating in three of the last four games. And um, if he adds another three-point shooter to Griffin, I mean, shooting 50% from three essentially is 
pretty ridiculous. Unconscious. Um, so if he adds that, then you know that that could spell trouble for UNC. I think the reason to your question it can be different is because it's going to be very hard for Love and Davis to play as poorly as they did um, this time. Even though it's it's at Duke and it's a tough environment and there's going to be some turnovers. I mean, th- their play was was really really poor that first game. So you expect some uh, some improvement from that standpoint. I think UNC a key is they need to try to do to Duke what Duke did to UNC in that get you know their most important player in foul trouble. And for me, for UNC, um, the most important player on Duke is Mark Williams because if you can get him out, that gives a lot of room to uh, Armando Baycott to kind of operate and, and do his thing. Um, that helps with offensive rebound. It just helps with everything. It clears the deck a little mm-hmm. bit. Um, I think he is their most important player, especially defensively, but even even overall, because um, he's just so long and and it's very difficult to stop him. Mm-hmm. So if they can find a way to get a couple of quick fouls on him, uh, I don't know that Paolo Bancaro has the um, the desire, the energy, the the want to to really play defense against Armando Baycott in the post. He he'd rather kind of be on the perimeter doing his thing, and so that could be an advantage for UNC if they're able to do that. But uh, I, I don't want anyone to really get their hopes up too much. I, I don't need to <laughs> throw cold water, but this is this is it's a bad it's matchup. Already, it's a it's a bad matchup. It's already a tough ask for UNC to beat to win at Cameron, even though they did it last year. Um, and then you add kind of the uh, the stu- other stuff that's going on, and it, it is a mon- monumental task. And I, I'll say it. I, I'm going to say it now because I don't want to be prisoner in the moment if it, the unlikely chance that it happens. But you won't be able to name me a, a bigger regular season win where they're able to go and pull off the upset in Carolina history. I, I just don't think you can. You, you won't be able to tell me a bigger regular season win. Yeah. I don't think it's going to happen, but if it does, it is, it is in that stratosphere where it'll be remembered forever. Well, I'll go ahead and say this, too, so that I can't be accused of being a prisoner of the moment. But uh, if there was ever a game where Mr. Fuji would make an appearance... <laughs> you can go ahead and believe that it's going to be this game, uh, Coach K's last, with however many, um, however many people are there, whatever their charge for tickets, blah 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 blah. One more question I want to ask you guys before we move on to some recruiting discussion and get out of here for the night. Uh, Greg Barnes, inside Carolina beat writer extraordinaire, uh, has been pretty staunch in his opinion that he thinks all of the pressure will be on Duke in this game. I'm just going to ask each one of you guys: Do you agree or do you disagree, and why, Sean? I mean, yeah, the, the, the pressure is definitely on on Duke with everything that it's been built up to, similar to, you know, I'd probably say J.J. Reddick's senior year game in, in 06 when uh, I think they're eight-point favorites and and lost. Um, so, you know, if you once again, if UNC is able to, you know, either land a strong punch or at least withstand, uh, you know, the punches that they did in uh, the first game, the pressure will be will be on Duke for sure. But at the same time, um, you know, they, they have a, a very talented team. Uh, so the pressure will be on them, but, you know, it'll be more, more on UNC's defense to kind of see how long that pressure can, uh, can stay with them. Sherelle, is Greg absolutely out of his mind or can you see his logic there? No, hundred percent. I mean, Duke is still, whether they should be or not, they're being discussed as a potential one seed and you can't mm-hmm. lose to someone like Carolina, whoever you want to say is not very good. You can't lose a game like that at home um, right before the ACC tournament. So they've got that. Um, and then, you know, they want to close out, um, you know, Coach K's career at, at Cameron, obviously. So there's there's that. Um, and then they beat them by, 
I mean, they were up by what, 30 at one point in the Smith Center? Yes. So it, it's a lot to, to say, well, take these guys seriously and handle this as Coach K's last game. And there's, you know, I don't know, President Obama and President Bush, and there's Tony Romo and Jason Garrett and all these, you see what I did there? There's all these wonderful, you know, celebrities and stuff in the crowd. Um, so that's a lot of pressure. You're, you're expected to win because you, you destroyed this team a month is ago. Jason, is Jason Garrett a celebrity? I mean, for me, he is. That's your round. <laughs> all right, okay. <laughs> so Carry that's on. what I'm saying. So I, I don't think Greg's crazy at all. Um, and, and, and to um, Sean's point, I'll dig up the stat, but Carolina gets up pretty much every game at Cameron by 10 at some point. Um, and gives it and, away. And gives it away. And But I think this one, if, if it were to happen in this one, it might be a little, little tougher for Duke, even though they're more talented, just because, I mean, it's going to be sweltering, man. I, I, that environment is going to be insane. And can you imagine being – you know, the, the, you know, they have the, uh, the class that saved coach K yeah. Can you be imagine being in the class that lost his, you know, his last home game. Yeah. Um, so there, there's, there's, they're, they're feeling it already. It's, t- it's Monday night and I guarantee you they're already feeling that pressure. Well, uh, it'll definitely be a, an interesting cauldron of, of stew to watch. Um, and Sean dropped in the chat here and, and this is, this is shocking. Sean, can you, are you, are you right on this stat that everybody, uh, tonight had a 110 plus, Offensive rating? Yeah, not counting uh, uh, Ryan McAdoo. Ken Palm just uh, published wow. our update for the game and 1.21 points per possession. Everybody 110 wow. plus. Jesus. <laughs> uh, wow. From Leakey 135, Armando 140, Brady 135, RJ 110, Caleb 123, and Puff 117, which, uh, you know, that, that's, that's an offensive ball game. That's got to be Leaky's best in his career, I would imagine. Uh, I mean, without, it, without looking. You know, it helps only having eight turnovers. Uh, obviously, helps helps that uh, you know going against the zone where there's kind of a, a lack of of pressure, but still 21 assists, you know, in that in that zone. So two right. two solid offensive performances in a row. Well, I and appreciate that statistical perspective, Sherelle. Since since the Kim Palm is updated, let's go to the favorite stat. Uh, Everybody ready? Where so, conference only defense, they are fourth. And bar, they're, they're uh, you know, three points clear of Miami for fifth. So, barring, you know, them giving up 200 in Cameron, they're going to finish in the top four in the ACC in uh, conference only defense, which is pretty impressive considering some of the offensive or defensive performances they had earlier in the season. Yeah, definitely. Well, the good news is, I guess, that a lot of the eggs that they laid were, at least three of them were out of conference. Um all right, guys, this is where we will drop in the uh, reggaeton horns. If John can get this in post, we'd appreciate it because this is our weekly GG Jackson update. And this is not just, uh, hey, where's he going to go? Sherelle actually went and watched him play a playoff game. Uh, was it Saturday night or Sunday night, Sherelle? I'll let, you, I'll let you take it from here. Yeah, so it was uh, the South Carolina High School League Upper Region Championship. Um, and basically that's the state semifinal essentially. So they won the game, uh, 58 to 50. It was not a pretty game, but really, uh, hard fought, hard played. Um, it wasn't Jackson's best game either. We hadn't seen mm-hmm. him since December. Yeah. Uh, he was much better in December, uh, especially offensively. And if you check out the report we did on the premium board, he called his play quote, sorry. And I, I love a good, sorry. Like that's, that's that very old me, school Southern. Yeah, it, reminds me of, it reminds me of my uncles. It reminds me of home. You sorry. Like, so um, I thought that was good self-recognition from him that he didn't play well offensively. What I did see uh, that I really liked that I ha- hadn't seen too much before was his defensive ability. I mean, the game 
really changed when he started blocking shots and he has good timing on his blocks uh, he can block with you know left hand right hand um he i think he had three fouls and only one of them came in a block when he was kind of late for a rotation um so that impressed me his um you know perimeter game i think is still burgeoning uh it is not where you know he wants it to be in the future obviously he's still a junior in high school but you know, there were a couple of times where they isolated him at the top of the key um, and he tried to, you know, uh, dribble and go to the hole and just it, it was a little bit too much and it resulted in turnovers. I think he had four of them in, in, in that situation. He was most effective, though, as a rim runner, uh, lots of energy. And then he had a couple of pro moves um, when he was uh, with his back to the basket. So I still think he is in college, uh, just a true straight four, not even, um, you know, small ball five or anything like that. Like he is. He is what you want as a four these days in college basketball. Um, he's only took two threes. He missed both of them, but his shot isn't isn't janky or anything. It's a good looking shot. Um, so, I, you know, I was impressed, but probably for not the reasons I thought I was going to be impressed before the game started. And from a recruiting standpoint, uh, you know, it does seem to be South Carolina, North Carolina and Duke, kind of the three that he would be choosing among, not between because it's three among. Um, that's for you, Joey. And that look, decision... uh, you don't need you don't need to give me that. You already gave me you already gave me a sorry and a janky and a, and a burgeoning. So I, I don't I'm not going to hold you to your grammar right. tonight. Please gotcha. continue. Gotcha. And so, um, yeah, we still think a decision could happen before AU ball starts. Um, the EYBL circuit starts in Orlando in April. So that's kind of where things stand now. And he plays in the state championship game on Thursday night. All right. Well, obviously, there will be follow up there Sean I know you had a chance to watch uh, his full game last week is there anything you'd like to add on top of that and I'm, I'm going to do this I have held my tongue long enough I'm going to ask you for a player comp for Gigi Jackson uh, I know you hate doing those but you know what I'm driving the car tonight so I need you to give me uh, your additions from seeing his game last week and then give us a player comp before we get out of here you are driving the car so um, I'm in a I'm in a tough spot on on that one but um, I was able to watch uh, the full game, not in person, but at least watch the full game versus highlights, uh, uh, the game right before Sherelle saw him in person. That was actually my first time seeing full, a full game, um, which, which took a little while to do, but, you know, Sherelle mentioned the shooting and I think, you know, one, he won the quick release that he does have was something that stood out to me. Um, in the game I saw, he, he knocked down, you know, top of the key from, you know, probably six, seven feet behind the three-point line. But he was also, you know, he also also missed a few. So I think he's definitely a, a capable shooter, just given that quick re, uh, quick release and and distance, but definitely something that he needs to shore up. But, uh, you know, really it was defensively that was the most impressive to me in terms of him switching, him just guarding the guards straight up. Uh, and as Cheryl mentioned, kind of the ideal defensive player where – you know, he can play against the bigs, but if you put him in pick and roll, it's not going to be a, you know, matchup problem, which, you know, I think mm -hmm. is what we've seen a lot. So in terms of that, it's not a great comparison by any means, but I am going to go with, with uh, um, Jabari Smith um, from, from Auburn. Um, and the reason I'm saying that not shooting wise, because Jabari is one of the best pure big man shooters I've, I've seen. Um, but really in terms of once again being that modern modern four um you know i think he's the perfect four for auburn right now uh, offensively and defensively and i think gg would would kind of offer 
whatever team, you know, that same, same aspect of being a force on both sides of the ball, a top three draft pick and somebody that, um, you know, really can, can make sure that, you know, the teams aren't taking advantage of that, that four that might either be too small or, or too big. So not, not the greatest one from the shooting perspective, but in terms of, you know, playing style and what they could bring to a team as a, as a freshman. Well, Hey man, that's a pretty good comparison, especially since I didn't give you any prep for that. So thank you for uh, humoring me here. All right, boys, it's time to get out of here. I'm going to give you the last crack to, to throw anything else into this pie before we go. Um, Sherelle. I would say for UNC fans to root for Syracuse. I uh, hope they have a, a great shooting night against Miami later this week because if Miami loses, then North Carolina will be the three seed. If Miami uh, wins their last two games, then North Carolina will be the four seed. And obviously, if you're the three seed, you avoid a certain team who has the most talent in the ACC for another round. <laughs> so, uh, you know, I think the rooting guy for UNC is, is uh, UNC fans is go Syracuse. Well, you know, you're not going to see that from from Cole Slider uh, against <laughs> against Miami. He'll he'll probably go 0 for 17 with uh, with one free throw and three turnovers. Uh, Sean, anything you want to throw out on the on the top of this pie before we go? Well, well, that was a Cole Slider that Villanova fans thought they were getting, and uh, as my Villanova fans said, I don't think he scored 36 points uh, all last <laughs> all last season. Um, but I am going to maybe uh, steer the car for for a few seconds and throw go a free. few a few Q and A's to. Sorrell and you. So when we, when we've taught recruiting, we're always talking about, well, you know, how do we think these guys will project, especially, you know, a guy like Tyler nickel um, or some of these guys that are ranked, uh, you know, kind of in say 50 to hundred. So went through uh, last year's RSCI, which kind of takes uh, ESPN rivals 24 seven and aggregates them. Not the best, you know, use, cause I'd say that, that this past class was probably the one most hurt by COVID, but you look at players 51 through 40, you take out, uh, there's eight, you know, red shirts or just weren't playing. So you got 42 players. How many do you think average over 10 points per game? From 2021 or 2020? As, uh, this, this freshman, this current freshman group. Out of 42, how many average 10 or more? Yep. I'm going to go less than that. I'll say five. Two. Two. Wow. wow. <laughs> Jabari Smith and... Well, sorry, I'm I'm going like rank 51 through. Oh, I got you, got you, got you, yeah, yeah. got you. Yeah. So who are, who are the two? Uh, Smith from NC State and then Nemhard from Creighton. Okay, gotcha. But in terms of eight, there's only eight eight guys that average over seven points per game. So, right, I mean, you can probably do this over the last few years, but even just that shows. I mean, we're yeah. seeing it this year with Dunn and, and Styles, right? That, mm -hmm. um, you know, there's not a lot of impact from from sub 50 guys. Mm -hmm. um, sometimes there is, but I think, you know, it's always good to actually see what, what the ones are, are currently doing, um, when, when projecting forward. So just something interesting I was looking at over the weekend. Yeah. Oh. If you go back, um, Eric Bossy, you know, we did the, the live chat with him a couple of weeks ago. He was just talking about how this is going to filter down for another couple of years because mm -hmm. the 21 class is kind of delayed because of COVID. And then he, he's, he's the 22, 23 and 24 classes are not the best ever let's put it that way um so when you add all that together then you're gonna have it looks like in the future of college basketball less freshmen making an impact they're already going to be less freshmen because of g league um and because of overtime and because of other things 
And so you, you shrink that already and limit the pool. And then of those who are going to college, they're not quite as good as their counterparts, say, from 2018 to 2020. So that I mean, that's a big deal for, you know, schools like Kentucky and Duke and to some degree, North Carolina and the ones who uh, get some of these top 15 freshmen. So that, that's something to look out for moving forward. Man, that's um. I love that. I love that stat, Sean, not just for, for its obscurity, but also because I think it really helps to it really helps to level set expectations. You know, I think for a lot of folks that listen and watch this podcast, I think there's always this this desire, especially the way North Carolina has recruited over the last few years, where you're seeing more guys past the top 40 in rankings. And I think it's good to help level set those expectations. And then when, like you guys said, we throw in that caveat uh, that that Bossy mentioned and, and Sherelle just recapped about covid it really does kind of stretch things out for a little bit. And, and it's just not the same basketball that you're used to seeing uh, at least, you know, in the, in the, the recent past boys, I appreciate it. Appreciate you staying up late with me tonight. Um, and you know, I'm an old guy, so this is, this is way late for me. Um, I appreciate you staying up with me. Appreciate what it is you guys bring to the show. I want to give a big shout out to uh, Johnny t-shirt for sponsoring to John Siegley for producing but we hope to catch you guys next time. Uh, after the Duke game, we'll be Saturday, and we'll have our regular show back on Sunday. By then, we'll have an idea of what the ACC tournament's going to look like, and we can talk about that. But until then, I'm in, I'm inside Carolina's Joey Powell. I'm not inside Carolina. I'm Joey Powell for Inside Carolina. You are inside Carolina because you work for Inside. I mean, you cover Carolina, so you're inside. Fair enough. Yeah. Fair enough. I'm, I'm not out roving like a nomad. <laughs> uh, for Sean Moran, for Sheryl McMillan, it's late. I'm Joey Powell. We'll talk to you guys next time. Late.